0: It's time to turn the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horrible horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode, I delve into the world of terrible horror movies. Why do I do it? Well, I can't really explain it, but I love these horrible movies. If you made a horror movie on your phone, or made your own special effects MacGyver style, please send it my way. Now, what do you get when you mix two thumbs ups, Scott Grimes, some little hairy creatures, and a PG-13 reading, while you get the movie Critters. Everybody and welcome to another episode of the Terrible Terror podcast. We are here this episode talking about Critters. Holy crap, I can't believe I've never talked about this movie before. And the fact that right off the bat what's really uh not bothering me per se, but surprised the shit out of me is that this movie is rated PG-13 cuz I remember my parents when it came out, they wouldn't let me see it. But then again, I was probably uh well, I wasn't a teenager yet, I'll give you that. Uh, but it's just something really weird. Like when I was watching, I was like, man, I wonder what this is right. This had to have been R, right? Like this is the eighties. Here we go. I'm like, this is, it." it's what it is for being an R rated movie. And then after everything was finished and I was doing my research and cause there's a couple of weird people that showed up in this film and then it turned out it's PG 13. Holy shit. It's PG 13. Like, can you believe that? Can you believe when you first, like, turn this on, when you remember it as a kid, if you saw it when I saw it, and I know a couple people that uh made the suggestion probably also saw it when they were kids, uh that it's PG-13. Like, again, and this is, again, this is in the day and age when PG-13 was really just another vehicle that was created by Steven Spielberg to enable him to show what would have been rated R to an audience That would be, you know, okay with being able to see blood and guts and whatever they are. Just as long as there wasn't, you know, harsh words. Well, that's what PG-13 is nowadays. Back then, you know, a little bit of scary violence. But nothing really major happens, like, in PG-13 movies. So, it's odd. And I have to go back and thank, of course, Ben and Dave for bringing this up on Dave's Pop Culture Podcast. And being like, hey you know, Brian's never done this before, because then it was like, hey, you know what? I've never thought about critters before, like, actually doing it. It's kind of an odd film. Like, honestly, I don't remember the first one as much. I remember the second one a little more, because I remember the whole, all the critters getting together and rolling into a ball. Like, again, this was a film when I was a kid that, I wasn't allowed to watch like the only way that I've even seen any of these films like this was because of my uncle and my cousins, like my uncle loved horror films. Like he still loves horror films. And Michael Myers is one of his favorites of like all time. And so my two cousins, uh, you know, not the youngest of my three cousins, but the two older ones, uh, you know, we used to sit down and watch these movies over at my grandmother's house. And I'm sure I've talked about that before. But, you know, Aliens is one of those films where it freaked me out. And this was another one of those films. But I believe I remember the second one a lot better than I remember this one because of the people that are actually in this film. Like, <laughs> and I, it's been a very long while since I've seen this. So this that's just like right out the gate. It has probably been about mm, like 15 years since I've seen the original Critters, like the last time. I remember, like, sci-fi having a whole, like, marathon of critters going on, and it was one of those situations where you're kind of like, you start watching the first one, and you're like, okay, then you get to the second one, and then you're like, you know, okay, I can keep going, and then you start getting to the third and fourth one, and you only are watching it because you're either sick or you're doing something else, and I'm pretty sure this was back in the day when I was addicted to a specific MMO, no, it's not, wow, okay, and that I just had the TV going and I was like, okay, I can watch sci-fi at the same time that I play this game and everything will be fine. You know, it it, it kind of sits around that time. So I think that's about right. Um, it's just very weird that there was so much I thought more happened in this film than actually did. And when it comes down to it, it actually is a perfect film for this podcast to be going over. So it's... An interesting situation, you know. I don't know what to think about it, and because I don't remember it so well, I didn't really have those, like, nostalgia shades like some movies. Like, if I were to go back and watch the original Child's Play, I'm pretty sure it would be a Do I remember? Is it as good as I thought it was back in the day? You know, I've had a ton of movies like that, but this one in particular, I honestly... Don't remember a whole lot of everything that goes on. All I remember is the Critters. All I remember is the Bounty Hunters, right? Those are like the two main things. But everything else that happens, like I remember Rampages and all this other stuff. But I really think, I think more about the second film than I do this one. So when I sat down to watch it, I was like, huh. And then all of a sudden it started being like, wait, they're in this movie? they're in this movie that name is really familiar who is that so like the biggest one that was a big surprise to me was scott grimes now there is another big surprise that's in it and we'll get to him but like i saw the name i'm like that name is really familiar and the reason it's so familiar is because i become like well i became i'm not as much of a watcher regular watcher right now but i became a really big fan of american dad and Scott Grimes is the voice of Steve Smith on that show. Possibly my favorite character on that show. You know, there are some grand moments that he has on that show. One being, of course, the Nom episode uh, that, you know, I kind of spoke with Seth Travis over there on tw- uh, Twitter about, but there's also the episode where like he and Roger do the Daddy's Gone song. That is fantastic. And like, That's only thing that my mind fucking thinks about the entire time that I end up watching this movie. And I was, like, going through with him. And, you know, he doesn't sound like the voice that he gives Steve. And I kind of felt like maybe that would be it. But it's kind of weird. He's also, I think, currently on the Orville right now. Along with everybody. So, we'll have to see. I I don't know what else. I mean, he's done... He did Critters, too. So, there's that. But... (laughs) There's another standout. The other one, like, there actually are two. There's, well, technically there's three. There's even a fourth one. Um, but the fourth one, the guy that plays Harvey, I can't pinpoint his movies, but when you see him and you see him and you're like, oh, I know who that guy is. And he's been in a bunch of stuff. He's mostly been in, like, bit character roles, you know, he just plays a guy here or he plays the grumpy old man type of guy in certain films. And then there's D. Wallace okay, the name was really familiar to me. And I know, like, I knew who she was. I looked at pictures. I'm okay. She's the mom that's in this. Where else has she been? But she's been known as the mom in E.T. That was probably one of the big roles that she's done. And it's weird that she's gone from E.T. to this. And there is a small connection in the film as well, which is pretty entertaining, to be honest with you. Yeah, then you've got the daughter. Now I don't remember the actress's name because it didn't really stand out to me, but she was in Munchies. Like she was the the girl in Munchies at that time. So it's weird that she's also in this film and I feel like this was the better role of the two for her. Uh, and then lastly, uh, maybe I'll save it for her surprise or yeah, what the fuck, I'll just give it, Billy Zane is in this movie. Like Billy motherfucking Zane. Like he is in this film. This is one of his first films that he's ever fucking done, and I was super surprised, like, that he was here, and I was super surprised that he had a full head of hair. Like, I only know bald Billy Zane. I don't know chock full of black hair Billy Zane, and, uh, yeah, but it, it was interesting. Nobody else I could really recognize. The father supposedly somebody that's been in a lot of stuff, but, you know, I was like, eh, you're outside of my wheelhouse, so it's just kind of amazing that all these people are in this film all at the same time so uh, without further ado let's just go ahead and get into the film and the film actually opens up in space and we're looking at a planet well actually we're looking at an asteroid which happens to be a prison and you start hearing the people talking over the intercom
1: radar control this is prison transport 9961 requesting permission to land over we've been expecting you pt-9961 Please confirm. Payload. Over. Cricht prisoners. Eight of them. Over. There seems to be a problem, PT-9961. My advance notice cube states there should be ten Cricht prisoners aboard your ship. Please explain. Over. Well, we did have ten at one time, but the Krites were eating everything in sight. We had to kill two of them to make the food last longer. Over. Roger, PT-9961. You're cleared for landing in Docking Bay B. Send Kripe prisoners through detox and immunization. Put them in the termination lock as soon as you land. Shock control will be standing by. Over. Roger, radar control.
0: Okay, so the weird thing that I've got going on here is that these creatures, the Krites, they're very, like, powerful, and they're killing everything on the ship, or at least killing the food. And it makes me wonder, like, how do you have the food inside of the ship? Like, if you're traveling long distances, and I'm not saying it's going to be just like a, you know, a U.S. vessel or our current space vessels where we've got all this weird type of dehydrated food. And you have your milkshakes that look like powder. And you've got your bananas that are all, like, you know, still disgusting, but they're all weird dehydrated bananas. You've got all this weird shit. Like, on this ship, did they, like, bring specific food just for them because they're gonna kill them? Like, it didn't make any sense to me. Like, okay, we had to kill two of them because they were eating all the food. And they were killing everybody. Like, right away, wouldn't you, like, put them inside of some type of, like, laser cage or something so they couldn't get out anymore? Instead, you're just letting them, like, are they running free? Were the, like, they put with the food? All these things aren't so bad. But they're being taken there to be fucking executed, and yet you have the shittiest fucking security that's going to happen to let these things just randomly fucking kill things on the ship. What? What the hell is going on here? Like, it makes no sense. And of course, of course, they're going to fucking get away and steal a fucking ship once they're there. Come on, like you didn't see that fucking happening? Oh, well, I guess we're just going to have to put them into uh, cell block D while they wait for the executioner to arrive. And you know what? We're just going to leave them in in a cell that's relatively close to a spaceship too. And you know what? We're just going to leave the keys hanging up on the side of the wall or some shit like that. Because even though they've killed most of the things that we have that we're going to use for food on this prison asteroid that we're going to, we're going to allow them to just a fucking escape no matter how they can do it. Oh, you know what? We're also going to put them in a cage that bars aren't big enough to hold them in, right? Like, I'm not talking about, like, tall enough or wide enough. We're going to make the spacing between the bars hella huge. And then we're going to be fucking surprised when these fucking little critters just fucking fly through the bars. Well, maybe when they were captured, they were small, because I know they do grow as they eat stuff, but come on. Like, are you fucking kidding me? why not just fucking execute them on the fucking spaceship you already killed two and he's like oh put them in the execution block no what he should have been was okay what you need to do is go get one of your fucking guns or whatever the fuck futuristic alien fucking weapons that we got up here and you need to put it against each one of their heads and fucking pull the trigger boom 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 i hope that's eight (laughs) (laughs) they're all fucking dead end of the movie let's go home credits fucking roll and we're done with the film but no of course not they do manage to steal a ship they do manage to escape and that's where they contract a couple of bounty hunters to go take them down and guess what fucking kill them
1: they've stolen one of our fastest ships with enough fuel to cross the galaxy 10 times over so fuel is not their concern However, you must stop them before they can feed. You will receive full payment, as usual, only upon evidence of their destruction.
0: Okay, and they stole your fastest fucking ship? What kind of fucking security do you have on that prison planet? Like, is this like the vacation prison planet or some shit like that? You, it's like, even lower than minimum security prison? It's like, barely security prison? It's just like, okay, we're gonna put you in a cage... Don't go steal that ship now! And then they're fucking gone. And because they took the fastest ship... Like, nobody can catch them but fucking bounty hunters? Like, okay, well, maybe. I can kind of guess that. You know, you don't have... But how did you let them steal your fucking ship? And there's no, like, alarms going off. There's nothing like, Oh my god, they've escaped! And they're killing everybody! Like, there's no panic. It's just like... Yeah, okay, so... Um... They escaped, and, uh, yeah, we just need you to, uh, get, go after them, because they took our fastest ship, you know, we were just sitting in, it was, uh, in the repair shop, you know, Joe, he just fixed the flux capacitor on it, and, uh, you know, the quantum, like, crystals, they they just got refueled, and, uh, you know, there was that one little thing, one thing, his name is Nibbler, and he took that giant, like, anti-gravity shit, and, uh, that's enough fuel to last them for quite a while. Uh, but they're not so worried about fuel. They just want to fucking eat and devour everything like they did on the fucking ship that came here. Come on. Like, it makes no fucking sense that you would just let them go. But it does make sense that if these guys, uh, you know, were good bounty hunters and you've used them a bunch, of course you'd send them after them. You know what else makes no sense? That you're asking to kill them completely. Like, you could have just done this. Again, like I said... What Maybe you'll have one weapon and it just fires a fucking giant fucking spear like you're fucking hiring Scorpion to go over there and get over here and fucking send his little spear through each of their heads. Done. Over. Don't need to put him in jail. Don't need to do anything else. And you won't have any fucking ships stolen. Look, maybe I should be in charge of this fucking prison facility. Like... I don't necessarily think that I'm a to survive in space or anything like that, especially around a bunch of aliens that could possibly want to kill me, but I think I could come up with a better type of, like, security regimen than these people do. You're taking some of the most dangerous creatures in the fucking universe and putting them into this fucking thing and then not giving them enough security so that they just fucking escape. Oh, Jesus Christ. Anyway, so now we go down onto Earth, where, of course, they're coming towards... And we get to meet the fam. And first thing that we get to see is we see Bradley. He's in the bathroom and he's trying to make the thermometer get hotter than it actually is. And then we see that there's a daughter. She's coming downstairs and there's somebody named Steven on the phone. We've got the dad. He's outside. He's working. He's waiting for Charlie to show up because Charlie hasn't shown up for work yet. And the mom, played by Dee Wallace, is busy cooking everybody breakfast and that's where everybody sits down to eat and we get kind of introduced to the personalities right away so
1: who is this steve The dork from new york shut up you're such a baby what happened to richard all richard cared about was hog farms so my dad farmed hogs dad Brad, what are you sitting at the table with the thermometer in your mouth for? I'm not feeling very good. I'll bet. You look okay. <laughs> 106. Brad, did you tell Mom about your big geometry test you have today? Shut up. Just shut up. You have a test today, Brad? You're a real shithead, you know? Bradley! <laughs> or I'm gonna wash your mouth out. Maybe you'll do as well on this test, Brad, as you did on your last one. What last test? Bye. <laughs> dad? get yourself ready for school boy dad if you miss that bus i'm gonna skin you and hang your bones out to dry
0: so I, I love the dad by the way um he's possibly my favorite character just because of the way he reacts to everybody there and the way he treats it And it's like she's like well he was really into hogs and he's like what that's a good job like it's good if you did it my dad did it there was nothing wrong with my dad doing it what you're saying grandpa was a fucking prick or something like that and then you got brad trying to get away the test and his sister is a fucking bitch right there like totally like blaming him for or not blaming him but getting him in trouble for everything because he was using the bathroom for too long so i'm gonna tell how you flunked out of one test and you've got another geometry test at his age too Well, I mean, it could have been one of those tests that you took. They called a geometry test. But it was really just like, what's this right angle? What's the degree of this part of the triangle? We've got three. If this one is 37 degrees and then this one is 62 degrees, how many degrees is the last angle of the triangle? And you're like... Uh, I'm a little kid, and I'm too stupid to fucking realize it, and I made a, totally forgotten what the two angles that I said, so I'm gonna say five degrees. And then you're like, well, you flunked out, because you should have realized that you total your sum up to, I think, like, 98, (laughs) and probably not, but I think it was supposed to be a two degree answer, and I can't remember that far back. Hmm... Uh, old age is getting to me. God damn it. Anyways, so, you know, you got Brad getting in trouble because his sister's a fucking bitch. You got the dad, like, wondering about, oh, you know, is my daughter a fucking whore because she's already gone through to another guy because, oh, he wasn't flashy enough for her. And then he's still worried. And and the thing is, is he comes in the house with this, like, like, container full of liquid and it looks like his is like moonshine. So maybe he's running an illegal still in his house or maybe it's like honey or something. I don't know. He drinks it, but he's fucking dirty as fuck. Like maybe he wasn't hot doing out there doing a little too much hog farming himself. But I know that he's been working on cars and then everything's around the farm. But at the same time, what the fuck is that stuff? Like if it is moonshine, I think this is the second time it's shown up on this fucking podcast. And nonetheless, maybe he's going to put a couple, of, like, maraschino you know, cherries in there or something like that, and it'll be pretty good. You know, maybe it's only 1x, it's not necessarily 3x, because you're having breakfast, but you want to make sure that you can get through the day. So, if you decided to, you know, if you're going to go to bed, or you, maybe you'd have, like, the 2 or the 3, and if you're going to go hog-wild later on, maybe you'd stick with the 4x. So, they all split. The kids are going to go, you know, to schools, apparently. Um... <laughs> And the day begins for everybody else. We go downtown and we get to meet the police of the town. Uh, and this is where we meet one of the gentlemen that I still have a hard time remembering with a fuck his name is. So with the help of trusty Google and Wikipedia, I have found out that it is M. Emmett Walsh that is playing Harvey here. Now, I don't know what else to describe and what other movies he's been from, but when you see him... You know who he is. If you look up the name, you'll be like, oh yeah, that guy. Like, I think that he was in a, he was definitely in a couple of comedies that I remember from the 80s, but I just can't. I know Google and everything right now. I've got it with me, but fuck it. I'm not gonna sit here and search while I'm talking to you on the podcast. Uh, but really, look up the guy. You'll recognize who he is right away. He's got, like, seems like he always, like, cockeyed whenever he does any of his roles. Well, he's coming for the morning and he gets to meet uh, the dispatcher, or we get to meet the dispatcher, I should say, Uh, and he asks what the hell's been going on, and her response is quite odd. Come on, Sal. What's happening?
1: Well, this here says that John Travolta used to be a waitress in Fort Myers, Florida. What's happening here, Sal? Big bowling tournament tonight, and uh, Charlie, he's sleeping it off in the back. Harvey, don't mean no
0: harm. well okay i can kind of believe the travolta thing i mean scientology does things to people that you know maybe for a while he had to be a waitress somewhere or maybe he was like a flight stewardess you know that's how he worked up to the point that he could actually fly a plane so harvey he goes into the back and this is where we meet charlie and charlie is a little freaked out let's say he believes that aliens are communicating to him through his, you know, his fillings inside of his mouth. And hell, who hasn't had a rogue-like transmission come through their mouths when they had braces before? And so he wakes up thinking that he's getting another signal, which he relays over to Harvey. They're coming,
1: Harvey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm getting through my fillings just like last time. Cut the crap, Charlie. That's it they're the same ones that ruin my pitching career
0: do you ever consider slowing down on the whiskey Charlie it ain't the whiskey
1: Sal Sal you remember right I was a prospect huh and I wasn't drinking then was I sir Charlie sir you were major league interior right I had heat and then I started getting these messages This is. Patrol GXP 1198, calling Alfred Tango Come in, Gilbert. Do you hear that? Charlie, it's Jeff. I'm on Route 22. Come on, lover, pick it up. That's the hard shit, Jeff. Oh, uh, uh sorry, Horv. I, I, I didn't know you were in. Now, what do you need? Just signing off for of the night. <laughs> so, sign off, Horv.
0: So Charlie here has kind of become the town drunk of the town. See, he used to play baseball like he was talking about, but then all of a sudden he started hitting the slosh, and that caused him to basically ruin his baseball career and start believing that aliens are talking to him through his fillings and to get a job with the Brown family up there uh, on the farm. So from there we go back into space and we meet up with the bounty hunters again, and there are some last minute notes that the prison colony forgot to tell them about. Prepare for holographic transmission. In my haste to get you on your way, there were a couple of things
1: I neglected to inform you of. We are tracing your Krites to a solar system where only one planet supports life. Earth, your ship database, will contain adequate information on the culture of the planet. Your transformation capabilities
0: should come in quite handy there. I trust, however, you will be less destructive this time, considering you've destroyed them. So they totally cut them off right at the end of that, because they're assholes when they come down and search for monsters, wherever they are. Right? They're getting their prisoners, they're just trying to either get their kill, or they're trying to get, like, their capture... And get their fucking money. So they don't give a shit. So when at the end he's like. Remember last time. You guys totally fucked up. And destroyed a bunch of things. Don't do that. And then they totally fucking cut him off. So they insert the little thing into the module. And they start getting. The history of Earth. And it feels like it's playing out like some type of music video at the same time. Or it's like a Clockwork Orange version of, Earth, you know, History of Earth. Where it's just showing all the violence and everything that's going on down here. And not the cool things like pizza and video games and horror movies. Like, instead we could see, like, bombs and violence and cars. You know, the things that totally suck and nobody should be really interested anyway. So, <laughs> it's just kind of a weird thing... That they're searching basically at the same time for something to transform into. See, they have the unnatural ability of transforming what they look like so that they can blend in with the rest of society. The downside of this is only their head transforms. They don't really change their clothes. So they're still wearing weird space shit, but they look like everybody else around on the planet. And then it's through happenstance that they come across the person that one of them wants to change into, who happens to be Johnny Steele, playing his very famous song, Power of the Night. And I'm gonna play just a little bit of it for you here, alright?
1: fire, we are the, heat, the flame, Burns in the oh, in the,
0: on to the
1: night, on the the, night. From the light. Now
0: that is an interesting song, but you guys remember when that song hit number one on the charts in the eighties, right? No, well, neither fucking do I. This is the first time I've even remembered hearing this song. In fact, I think it's actually the first time that I've really paid attention to the song at all. Who the fuck is Johnny Steele? I don't fucking know. was he made for the movie? Is he really somebody that's out there? It's got to be somebody that's doing the song out there, but you know what? one of the aliens decides that that's the person that I'm going to transform into. Because, honestly, if I was in his position, right, it's the 80s, you know, uh, you got to look for something that's really popular and that you can blend in with, Let's go ahead and choose the most popular fucking musician on the fucking planet, or at least in the fucking US at this time, to turn ourselves into. So that way we look exactly like him when we come down to the planet, and we can totally blend in with anybody that's fucking there. I get it. I know. You're gonna go to Earth You're going to be there in the 80s. There's all those weird 80s outfits that are out there. You're going to see some chicken leotards. And what better way to bang an earth chick than to dress up or transform yourself into the most powerful and most popular 80s rock musician, right? Like, I get it. I would do the same thing. But then, you know, it'd also be his face on my fat ass and it wouldn't fucking work. And they'd be like, wow. Johnny Steele, you've really let yourself go. So, instead, you know, (laughs) you have this guy in his space fucking clothes that's going to totally blend in with everybody here on Earth, and he's not going to be awkward at all when he comes down to the planet. Back on the farm, we see that Bradley actually didn't get to go to school today because he's still hanging out there, or maybe it's much later in the day, who knows. But he's hanging with Charlie, and Charlie's supposed to be helping out Dad in fixing one of the cars, but instead he's playing around with Brad over here as Brad, who is, you know, working to get a job with fucking Rammstein later on in his life because he's creating these, like, pieces of dynamite and pyrotechnics, you know, that are super powerful. Like, he makes his own fucking, like, firework that he puts underneath a plastic spaceship and blows the fuck up, uh, which is an odd way of uh, foreseeing something that's going to happen in the future weird that's weird foreshadowing like (laughs) we'll get to it but it's odd nonetheless but anyway so you've got brad who is hanging out with the town drunk creating fireworks and other explosives because that's fucking safe and that's when uh his daughter rolls up with steven who is played by billy zane with a full head of fucking jet black hair like if he was bald at this point, I would be very fucking surprised, because that is dark fucking hair. Actually, I wouldn't be surprised, because it looks like he would have dyed it, or somebody on this set would have dyed it for him. But I was very surprised to see Billy Zane, because, you know, the most interactions I've had with him has been, of course, uh, you know, former podcast on Tales from the Crypt Presents Demon Knight, where I really love him in that movie, um, Titanic, which... I fucking hate that movie. Uh And then, yes, bring on the hate. I cannot stand that movie. Uh, And then The Phantom, a movie that the projector died halfway through the movie when we were seeing it in a shitty movie theater with my dad at Southland Mall in Hayward, California, when the theater used to be there. Well, there's a new one there now. But when the theater was there, projector died, and my dad and I looked. They were like, well, we'll have it fixed in a couple hours so we can give you a ticket so you can come back. And I looked at him and I said, Dad, get your money back. Let's just go have lunch instead. And I've never seen the end of that fucking movie. Like, literally, it <laughs> blew out, you know, about 45 minutes into the movie and we never looked fucking back. You know, it's almost like going back and seeing one of those really shitty DC movies that were out there. Uh, instead of those really cool Marvel movies that exist. Hint, hint. Wink, wink. So, we see her dad interact with Billy Zane over here, or Steven. And Steven is trying to be like, yeah, I'm the cool, like, hip guy. Like, I'm cool, boyfriend. And I'm totally trying to get to know you. And the dad's like, so how are you going to haul a bunch of hay in that fucking thing? Like, how are you going to do real work, pretty boy? And I'm like, that's Billy Zane. That's not a pretty boy. Uh, so... (laughs) nonetheless they he's staying over for dinner that night and we see that Charlie and Bradley they're playing around they're trying to shoot well Charlie's trying to show him how he can take out a coke can with his slingshot with Bradley's slingshot and of course he misses and hits the sister square in the middle of the ass and she gets mad and chases after him and chases him down the house which forces Brad, and he's, she's chasing out Brad, because even though she turns around, and clearly the slingshot is in Charlie's hands, and he clearly, he's like, oh, and clearly she can tell that he was the one that shot it. She thinks Bradley did it. And so Bradley, he has to take the blame. Come
1: here, you little slut. April, he shot me with a slingshot. I did not. What? Liar. Holy.
0: April, liar. Holy, hold it, hold
1: it. Boy, did you shoot your sister with that slingshot? I think I'll stand on the Fifth Amendment. This is not a democracy. Did you or didn't you? Yeah, I guess I did. You know better than that, boy. Go to your room. And no supper. Oh, Jay. Helen...
0: Okay, so there's the stereotype that exists right there. You send the kid up without a supper, and then of course mom's gonna make him some supper because he can't go to bed fucking hungry. But yeah, he could go to bed fucking hungry. Everybody knows this. So this was the point in the film that I started thinking to myself, like, this is really fucking family friendly for this type of thing. Yeah, there's a couple back words that have been said. Yeah, Bradley's called his sister a shit that's been the only time there hasn't been any hard f's like you know there isn't any fucks anywhere in case you didn't know what a hard f was but i i was really under the impression that this movie was r so i was looking forward to what might actually be coming up but no the reason that this movie is so fucking family friendly is because it's pg13 like and i i don't remember it ever being this way And I had to double take, and it was really about this time in the film, because, like I said, we're only about 20 minutes in, and I'm like, where's the fucking Critters, and where's the fucking Mayhem, and again, it might be thinking more of Critters 2 than it was of Critters 1, because one of the things that I'll tell you right now I was really waiting for was the giant ball of Critters. And that doesn't exist in this one. So if you're thinking, man, Critters 1 has the giant ball. No, no, no. It has them rolling up in balls and rolling at people. But there's no giant fucking ball of critters that's eating people. So we see Bradley have to go upstairs and have to go and serve his punishment for taking the blame for Charlie fucking shooting him. And he sits in the room and he's like, oh, you know, the cat comes up. Oh, you're the only one that really loves me. Like, No, seriously, you could have told him that, hey, it was Charlie that accidentally did it. I'm the one that provoked him, but Charlie's the ones that shot him, you know, shot her in the ass, and then Charlie would have been fired, and you would have been okay, and then movie would have continued anyway, because, you know, what the fuck? How is it going to end at that fucking point? But, so from here we go, and we see that they're having dinner downstairs, and we realize that, you know, his daughter's kind of a whore. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know how else to put it because like she's sitting at the dinner table they're talking and like they're talking to Steven and Steven's just trying to eat his food and the dad's right there and he's like uh, I don't think your dad really likes me that's the face and then she starts going for his cock. Like, she starts rubbing the inside of his thigh and he just fucking jumps up and like pulls his thigh away from her as fast as he can because he's like, dude, your dad is right fucking here and I can't believe you're doing that under the table right now. It makes no fucking sense. Yeah, maybe I want to try to get some, but not with your parents here because this is fucking stupid and fucking wild. And she's like, I'm just going to keep doing whatever I'm doing and tries to walk out and basically get out of the house with Steven here. So essentially what happens here is they have a really fucking awkward dinner.
1: This is a great meal, Mrs. Brown. Really one of the best I've ever had. Thanks. Thank you, Steve. Well, we should get going. What? You promised you'd take me for a ride, remember? I did. Um, uh, right. Yeah. I kind of figured you'd watch me bowl tonight. We're defending the championship, you know? Maybe we'll come by later. Don't suppose anybody would like some dessert before they leave. No, thanks, Mom. No, it was very good. Thank you. Thanks. Helen. Hmm? Have you, uh, you know,
0: talked to her about the way things are? Years ago. Years? Wait, so she's told her about how sex works. Like, the way things are... Like, is that more of a situation where it's like... Look, you uh shouldn't be doing anything. Of course... The mom is going to talk to her daughter at some point because, you know, things are going to change in her life and she's going to start doing things and growing things that, you know, I'll never fucking understand and don't need to worry about ever in my point in my life. But of course she's going to so they have to tell her about things and that's why girls tend to get the talk earlier than boys do because, you know, boys will be boys in most cases and especially during the 80s. And it's better for the woman, whatever bullshit you want to go through for yourself. But, yeah, he's very surprised that, like, you've already had the talk. And that means that she already knows what sex is. And, oh, my fucking God, is she really going to do that? And then the, you know, true question is, um, do you know that your daughter's a whore? Because your daughter's a fucking whore. Like, <laughs> maybe she's not a really fucking whore. And I'm just saying things for, like, uh- emphasis or whatever but the fact of the matter is that she is like literally saying okay we're gonna go drive out somewhere and then instead of like driving like starting the car and driving off she just parks the car behind the fucking barn and then takes him in the barn to go have sex like that's it who knows how long she's been dating him but that's the way that things are gonna work and the dad already kind of guessed after she's been told everything and the mom's just like yeah uh uh-huh i've already told her about everything and he's like what? <laughs> you know it's so fucking ridiculous that it has to go there. Well, with Bradley, we go back up and we see that he's putting more fireworks together and then he sticks him in his pocket as the door knocks cuz his dad has come to bring him dinner, which of course his mother made for him.
1: Thank you, mama, for fixing your plate. Where's that slingshot? Why are you always fighting with your sister? How come you and Mom always take her side? I mean, I didn't even do nothing. Boy, you shot her with a slingshot. Right. Well, anyway, I'm confiscating this until further notice. But, Dad! No movies. For two
0: weeks. Ah, oh, are you fucking kidding me? Because he took the hit for Charlie... He can't watch movies for two weeks? That's fucking bullshit, man. He's in, like, one of the greatest errors of fucking horror, and he has to fucking sit on the sidelines and not do anything because he's got a good fucking conscience about fucking Charlie the fucking drunk, who's now traveling back home, by the way, on his bike, who's probably fucking drunk again, and then he hears something and sees something fly through the night sky... And at this point I said I called it because I thought Charlie would be the first one to see the critters actually fucking arrive. I just didn't know who was going to be the first one to die. Because, like I said, I thought there were a lot more deaths in this movie than there actually are. And if I didn't say that, spoiler alert, there's not a whole lot of deaths in this movie. And there's not a whole lot of violence because it's PG-13. Uh, so... He sees, Charlie sees the critter ship come and crash down, and he starts, like, bicycling the other way. Uh, over on the farm, Bradley, he's trying to escape because he saw his sister go into the barn with Steven, and he's going to take the fireworks that he's made to surprise them. Like, if it blows up a little plastic ship, are you going to throw it by his dick and try to blow his dick off? Is that what you're going to be doing? Because that's not fucking cool, man. You don't blow off people's dicks. You especially don't shoot him in the dick. That's just the wrong way to go. So, over in the barn, you see Steven and the sister, who I forgot the name. I'm just going to call it a sister. I've been doing that the whole fucking time anyway. But they're making out, and he's like, I'm allergic to hay, and which means, you know, he doesn't do any hard work. And she's like, come on, it's okay. You know, my parents, they don't know about anything. They don't ever check the barn. And so she's going to try to get it on in there. While they're listening to music Really fucking loud. Like, it makes no sense to me. Like, if you just walked outside, you would've heard the music that was going on inside of the fucking barn and been like, huh, something's going on here. It's time for me to go check out the barn and see what's going on. And especially since she didn't really make the car really that incognito. Like, it's on the side of the barn. You go out to your regular car and you look back. Oh, hey, look. It's Steven's fucking car. He never left. I wonder what that music is that's coming from the barn. And I wonder what the fuck is going on in there. Ugh. Anyway, so while Bradley's trying to escape on the roof and he's trying to get by his parents' room, all of a sudden, what he mistakes for a meteorite, which is actually the critter ship, flies through Earth's atmosphere. And we see that Jay also notices that everything's going on, and that's, of course, the dad. And so he goes to escape. The dad goes outside, to, and he accidentally, well, doesn't really accidentally, but he runs upon Bradley, also trying to go check out what's going on, escaping his room.
1: Brad, what the hell are you doing up there? Dad! He's, uh, the earthquake threw me clear out of my room. I could not believe it. Oh, cut the bull, boy. Get your butt down here. Well, you look like you've done that a couple of times. A couple times? Come on. I want to keep an eye on you. Where are we going? Out to the field. Did you see that meteor? I saw something. Maybe it's a Russian spy probe on some sort of secret mission. I think he watch too much TV.
0: The other thing that I have to say is that I think this movie is primarily a big vehicle to make Johnny Steele a very big guy. Because right before this actually happened, we see the mom, we see Dee Wallace is downstairs sitting on the couch. And she's watching TV and she's flipping around. And it happens to fall on the fucking same music video that the Bounty Hunters saw. Like, what the hell? Why do we need to go through Power of the Night once the fucking again? And like watch her and even says the number one music video in America or song in America or what the fuck it is. And I've never heard of this fucker, Johnny Steele. Look, if you're not Axel Rose, I don't know who the fuck you are during the 80s. Okay, you or you're not fucking James Hetfield duh, either. You, then I don't know you. Hell, you could even be fucking Brett Michaels from that time. And I might know who you are, you know, because it's always a good time for something. Oh uh, Well, it's nothing but a good time, to be honest with you. But still, like, even Bon Jovi. I would have known you if you were fucking Bon Jovi, okay? If you were there and you were talking about being fucking shot through the heart and someone's... To bla- you could be fucking Madonna, too, at that point. You know, and I know you were, but it would be odd because, you know, that's Madonna and you're Johnny Steele. So that would be very interesting to see. Uh But still, Johnny fucking Steele, who the fuck are you? I'm going to make this, like, a mission to find out who the fuck, if you really are somebody. Or if somebody knows, just let me fucking know. Uh, So, the other thing that's kind of wrong with what's going on here besides Johnny Steele in the beforehand scene is the fact that, like, Bradley uses the excuse of the meteorite to, like, somehow, like, show that he's been thrown off the roof and lands in the fucking tree, like your dad's really going to believe that this really sounds like an excuse that Ben is going to receive one of these days or Dave's going to receive from their kid, and when they try to sneak out in the middle of the night and then it's going to be, well, you know, especially around here in California. Well, there was that big earthquake, man, and it just, I was trying to like sit in it by the window and then Whoa, I'm in the trees, dude. Yeah, but the trees on the other side of the property. No, oh, I'm sorry. I have to be like, the motherfucking trees on the motherfucking other side of the motherfucking property. So why are you trying to go sneak out of your motherfucking room and you're going to pay for it motherfucking later? Okay. So it's just kind of one of those, like, really, really dumb fucking excuses that they've got going on. Like, it drives me fucking crazy, but it's actually relatively funny. So even with that shitty excuse, Brad and his dad, they decide to go out into the fields and see what the fuck is up and what may have crash landed over there. Brad is hoping that it's a meteorite, but, you know, his dad is a little afraid of what it might actually be. As they're walking through the fields, Brad happens upon something. Well, he trips and he falls and he sees something very f- weird in front of his face.
1: Holy shit!
0: Are you alright?
1: Yeah. What is this? It? Looks like one of the herd. What happened to him? I don't know. Without my gun, I don't want to find out.
0: And he's very right to not try to find out what's going on in this situation either because they happened upon the critters feeding upon the cow. And we actually see the critters for the very first time and holy shit, they fucking talk to each other. Now, I didn't get any audio of that because it's mostly just like, and you have to read the dialogue of what's going on. You get subtitles for everything that's going on, and the only time they actually say anything is later on in the film where one of them says, "Uh uh-oh, and it's not really worth grabbing the audio for. But some of the dialogue is relatively funny that they talk about, especially in one scene that happens when all the action finally starts happening, which we're getting actually relatively close to. So, he's very smart, like I said, to not, like, want to pursue what's going on without his gun. So, they go back over to the house to see what might be happening. We see that, you know, Stephen and what's-her-face are trying to get it on a little bit more. And then we go back into the house and we see that, uh, you know, the mom, Dee Wallace, here, she's cleaning up for everything that's gone on with dinner. And then she starts hearing noises on the outside. And she starts looking out the window. And the, well, the first thing I should... Before this fucking happens, okay? And this really got on my fucking nerves. And I almost forgot to fucking talk about this. But when I looked down at my notes, I remembered... Who is this fucking stupid? Like, literally, okay? She is at the sink. And when I'm saying she's cleaning up, she's getting rid of everything. And she starts pushing the vegetables that she's like peeled and everything into the sink or some of the scraps for the garbage disposal to take care of it. Now, there's nothing wrong with doing that, right? There is nothing wrong, I've done it before, you clean dishes, they've got gunk on them, sometimes, you know, somebody decides that they don't want to eat everything, and you can put it down there and get rid of it, it's a little better, it's up to you, however you want to do it, as long as you put something down to clean it, make sure you put eggshells, shit like that, okay? This is what happens when you're a fucking adult. You think about that type of fucking bullshit before you go to bed. But, when you are doing that, you don't leave it the fuck on, Like, it's fucking running. It's making the sound. Whoever did the sound design in this fucking movie, it's not the fucking faucet. You can tell me it's the fucking faucet, but it's not. Because there's no fucking water running at this point. She is literally putting her hands into the goddamn disposal as it's fucking running, putting the vegetables down in the sink. What the fuck is wrong with you? Like, is it literally just, you know what? I'm tired of my life. I don't want to fucking do this anymore. My daughter's a fucking whore. My boy, he makes fucking dynamite. He's probably killing fucking cats somewhere. He's going to be a serial killer. My husband, all he does is work on his distillery. In the goddamn basement, that's probably why he hired the fucking drunk, and they're all just drinking. He drinks with fucking breakfast, and here I am, wasting my fucking talents. I was in fucking E.T., goddammit. I don't need these fucking hands anymore. So she starts putting her fucking hands into the sink. It just bothered the shit out of me, and it's like big in caps in my notes, too. Like, why the fuck is she even doing this? So... She finishes cleaning up, and she looks outside of the window. And When she looks outside of the window, what does she see but the goddamn critters? Like, she just sees the red eyes, and it looks really cool. Like, I really, everything up to this has just been honestly mediocre. And I'm waiting for something to be like, man, why did I enjoy this movie the first time that I see it? Or at least, why do I remember enjoying this movie the first time I saw it? And this is one of those scenes where she's looking out and all you're getting is those red eyes. Because you've kind of seen the critters, but you really haven't seen the critters, if you know what I mean. And this is one of those times where you actually feel a little bit of a dread. It's well set up. She looks at it and then all of a sudden she screams. She turns around and then all of a sudden she's scared by both her husband and her son.
1: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Jane, something was staring at me. What do you mean, something? Where? Oh, there by the window. (sighs) Well, I don't see anything. Well, maybe it was chewy. Yeah, maybe. Do you find anything? Yeah, we found something a little strange.
0: So the dad goes outside and looks around inside of it, like the garbage cans and sees that it's been moved a little round a little bit, and that's what makes them think that the cat is actually the one that has done stuff. ...to, you know, bother her or anything like that. And I really like the way the scene is set up. Like I said, with the red eyes, because everything's kind of quiet, kind of slow, you know... ...except for she's fucking putting her hands in the goddamn sink when their disposal is running. But, like, she is unaware of what's going on. And we kind of get that first-person critter view... So we get to the point where we see the critter eyes and it comes up to the window and it's really fucking creepy and really well done. And we get the jump scare because of course, you know, the dad and the and Brad, they come home and then when they go outside, everything is just a little more like tension building because they're looking out there with the flashlight and you're not sure exactly what's out there and what is going on. So like, there's a really good sense of tension in this scene. And even though it's still kind of like cheesy, everything in this movie is kind of cheesy, I think this is one of the better scenes that you're going to get out of the film. So, because everything's kind of weird, they've been hearing noises on the outside, and that what they found up north, they decide that they're going to give Harvey a call and maybe bring the police or at least see if something else has been going on and other people have been reporting anything. But of course, something is wrong.
1: Who are you calling? Har. i want to tell him what's going on out here maybe he's gotten other calls this phone is dead
0: what so of course the phone is dead and then all of a sudden the lights start flickering around the house with the power actually being, like, cut out. So they decide that they're going to go check the breakers, and that, of course, is downstairs. And we get one of the, we get a good introduction to, like, a true introduction to the critters in terms of what they can be like. Uh And at the same time, we get kind of a cliched type of, you know, horror sequence, I guess, for monster movies in the 80s. See, the dad goes downstairs, of course, into the dark, and he's trying to find everything. And when he goes to where the fuse box is, thinking one of the fuses just went out, when he looks at it with the flashlight, he notices that, hey, everything's been cut. Like, everything is all damaged and destroyed. The phone line, as well as the power to the house. So he starts panning the flashlight around, and he sees something moving over in the corner. And you look at it and you see that it's like kind of a black thing that's got a little bit of movement to it. You're not sure what it is. Well, at least he's not. We know it's the critter, right? Or at least one of the critters or the crites, or whatever you want to call them. So he goes over closer and what does he do? He reaches out one hand to try to touch it to see if it's a wild animal or it's like a stuffed animal or whatever it is. But it's very odd. Like, that's not what you do if there's a wild animal loose inside of your garage or something like that. You're not going to go like, here, let me pet you or let me touch you because it's going to fucking bite you, which... It almost does and he, there's the jump back because it, and it tries to get him and then you think everything's okay until one of the critters drops from the singling and clamps down on his left shoulder and then there's the screaming and the yelling and everything that's going on and he's able to get out of the hold of the first critter and he tries to escape and the other critter that's on the shelf shoots one of his needles into the guy's leg which hurts him and also paralyzes him a little bit. And uh, I think, actually, no, it's not in the leg, it's in the shoulder. I apologize, because he gets bitten in the leg by one of the other critters instead. He's able to actually get away from everybody, and they lock the critters up in the basement, so they go inside the house. Now, this isn't the first time that the critters have actually attacked anybody. See, before this scene even happened, we actually had a scene with Jeff. And Jeff was there, basically driving along the highway, trying to mack on the dispatcher. And when he tries to mack on the dispatcher... He totally fails. Like She just tells him no. And of course, like, yuck, yuck, he talks about going out for donuts and coffee because he's a fucking cop. And that's all cops fucking do, I guess, when it comes to any type of fucking, like, 80s cinema when we want to make a joke about cops. So he goes out and he almost runs into one of the critters and he gets out of his car. And this is actually our very first death in the film. And it's kind of anticlimactic, to be honest with you. Because all they really do is like he sees them, they're off camera, and then he gets dragged down and he gets eaten by them, but you don't actually see anything happening. That's why the scene when you see with the, you know, the dad going into the basement and him actually seeing the critters is kind of one of the first times that we get a good look on him. And, and this is, you know, it's a little forgettable, to be honest with you, and that's kind of why I honestly forgot about the scene until starting to look down at my notes, but it's it's decently done. I like the scene in the basement a little more, and I definitely like the scene where she sees the red eyes, which does happen after that as well. We see that the bounty hunters have now landed on earth and they've started to kind of blend in. The one guy is still with the green head and I should say the sequence earlier where he actually transformed into Johnny Steele. And I really didn't say anything about it, but I should say that's a really good piece of practical effects. Like it still looks pretty good. The whole, like his face melting to the skull and everything forming on top of it until he becomes Johnny Steele. So he's here. He's happily Johnny Steele, and the other guy, he's still green because he hasn't found anything that he wants to transform into. So while they're looking around the wreck of Jeff's cop car, they do see Jeff on the ground. He decides, hell, that's what I want to turn into, a mutilated fucking body maybe because he gets like some memories or something i don't don't fucking know but he's got like the gashes on his face and everything like that and that's not a way to easily fucking blend in and that's where we start hearing over the radio the dispatcher she's calling in and they're trying to figure out how to steal the car
1: jeff come in jeff over Alpha Tango Delta call GXP 119 or 8. come in over Come on, will you quit pulling around and answer me over All right. I'm sorry about the donuts and coffee. Maybe another time but tonight I have to wash my hair. Over. Come on, Jeff. I've been getting all sorts of calls about UFOs in the area. Carla Emmons swears that one nearly ran into her house and then went flying off. I think she's been living this cooking cherry again. Anyway, she wants you to get over there right away. Over. I am starting to lose my patience, Jeff. If you are sleeping on the job again, I am not going
0: to... So, after they shut the deputy up, they take the car and then they drive off backwards. And this is kind of a thing that they do for a little while. We cut back over to the barn. We see that Steven and the girl, she's the sister, are starting to almost get it on. Like, he starts reaching up over into the, like, stereo that's playing music either to play some more music because it stopped, or to, you know, st- stop it so they can have some quiet and, and just enjoy each other. And when he reaches up, one of the critters pops out and eats one of his fingers. He pulls back, and during the reaction shot, he gets a critter right in the stomach, and Steven is the second person to die in the whole movie. So, it, it's kind of anticlimactic, to be honest with you. I kind of expected him to die. Uh, I thought might be been kind of neat if he survived or something like that like he actually helped out but no billy zane is fucking useless in this movie as well so he's like back there she's fighting him off uh bradley hears her in the distance and runs over into the the barn and he gets upstairs and she's calling for him to help help and so what does he do takes one of the pieces of dynamite that he's made or his firework quote unquote uh and throws it at the critter the critter thinks it's more food eats it, and blows up. And we get one of the critter deaths. So now we're down to seven, supposedly. She gets away, and everybody get ba- gets back over to the house. We cut back over to the police station, and Charlie has shown up because Charlie has seen the alien ship. Whether it was the critter ship or whether it was the bounty hunter ship, I don't really know. But he's definitely calling on, like, the army and the police to actually do something.
1: Charlie. Call Harv. What for? Call Harv. Call the army. They're here. Who? Who? Them. My team. Sally. Call Harv, please. Charlie. I want to go home. Okay. Just... Where is he? He might be at the bowling alley. Okay, good. Good. I'll get Harv. You
0: call okay? So he goes over to the bowling alley to go find them, and it should be noted that this was the same bowling event that the dad was supposed to show up to, and we'll talk about something in just a bit that I was like, uh, "Is this another like homage or what's going on?" So. From here we go back over to the house and we see that everybody's trying to escape and we actually see the critters roll for the first time and they're chasing everybody as they're trying to get back over into the house and of course they're outside and they're they're fighting them off they managed and actually one of the funniest scenes in the film. Oh, with the critters fucking talking, has the two critters talking, and he's like, oh, they've got weapons, and the other one's like, the weapons don't scare me, and they shoot and blow him up with the shotgun, and then the subtitle from the other critter is just, fuck. <laughs> it's, there's their one F-bomb that they get for a PG-13 movie and they used it correctly and it's subtitled so nobody fucking says it. Well, the alien, I guess, says it in his language. But it's really fucking funny. Like, I just really caught off guard by it again. And like I said, I haven't seen this in a long time so I totally forgot about it. And it's just fucking ridiculous and it's fucking great. So... From here, we also see that the bounty hunters have arrived at a church. Now, the church scene is very, very weird. Like, they're talking about things and, you know, whatever the church people do. And then all of a sudden, the bounty hunters show up and, like, back up into the the thing because they're backing up, driving, damaging the church. They walk inside. They ask about the Kreitz, And, of course, nobody knows what the fuck they're talking about. So, what do you do when you don't know what the hell's going on? Um... You blow up the fucking church like they just start firing at everything and shooting everything up. And why would you fucking attack the church? The other thing that they do, the guy comes in looking like mutilated fucking Jeff. And then he looks at the priest and decides, you know what? The priest is better for me to look like. And so he turns himself into the priest. Like, if you're trying to be incognito on this planet, why are you choosing people that everybody fucking knows? So they start shooting everything up. They leave. And we cut over... To the family that's managed to make it inside the house. See, they were trapped on the front door. Bradley, he goes around. He manages to escape the stupid little critters. Which, to me, drove me crazy. Because he climbs up a fucking tree. And later on, they manage to get on the top of the house. But they can't follow him up a fucking tree when he's trying to get in there. Like, it makes no fucking sense to me that in one situation they can climb and do whatever they need to do. But in another situation, when they're chasing them, Oh, what? Tree? I just can't fucking do it. I'm chasing him. I can't do two things at the same time. I can't climb a fucking tree and chase a fucking person because I'm just trying to eat them. That's all I'm trying to do. So, (laughs) You have him, he's able to get in the house, and actually it's a little, I don't want to say like anticlimactic, but you feel some tension, but it's not the best in the world, especially when they get dragged in, because you know what's going to happen. It's not like anything's going to happen to the guys. uh, It seems like at least the family anytime soon in the film. So when they're inside, they decide that there's no reason that they can't just stay and wait this thing out, that they have to get away.
1: Jay, what are you doing? <laughs> we ought to just stay put. They haven't gotten into the house yet. They will. We could out of the place. We could make it stronger. Ellen, these things are vicious. They've cut out our phone, they've cut out our power. You understand what that means? It's just a matter of time until they get in here. Yeah, but we should just stay here. No, we, ch- we can't wait.
0: So they decide that the best thing to do is to go out to the cars and try to drive and get away. When they get to their car, they see the critters have actually sabotaged the car by chewing up all the cushions. And hell, honestly, if I was trying to get away from somebody, I might give it a try and just try to get the fuck out of there but because we don't really see the other parts of the car. We don't know if they've destroyed the carburetor, or they've destroyed the gear shaft, or the drivetrain, or the transmission, or the alternator. All we know is they, the cushions, we can't necessarily sit on the seats. You can sit on fucking springs if you're going to save your fucking life. I know I would if that's all they fucking did. Hey, guess what, kids? You're going to have a sore ass for a little while So just fucking (laughs) deal with it for this situation. So instead they find out that, oh, wait, the sister has Steve's keys and goes over to Steve's car and that's where there's a critter there waiting for him and he's busy chewing up the goddamn furniture and they can't get out of there. So they go back into the house and get ready to board themselves up on the way back. I believe the mom gets shot in the neck by one of the needles and they manage to get out of the situation. We cut over and we are at the bowling alley. And this is what I want to talk about, the goddamn shirt. Because I didn't really notice it on the back of the dad shirt, who's a part of the same team. They're using the Ghostbusters fucking logo as the pin logo. Like, literally, it is the ghost, but instead of it being a ghost behind the no ghost scene, it's the fucking pin dressed up like that. What the fuck? What is that? What is the point of that? Why would you decide to go out and fucking, like, copy that fucking logo for a bowling, like, jersey? Like, Pin Pals is the way to go. Come on. If I'm going to copy anybody, I'm going to copy that fucking jersey. You're halfway there. Of course, that probably wasn't a thing at this time. And I guess, you know, you ain't afraid of no pins? Is that what you're going for? Anyway, they're trying to call the Browns' house. And... As they're doing that, they're realizing they're not getting any type of reception whatsoever. Over there in the bar, Charlie is there drinking all the whiskey he possibly can because it's not the whiskey causing any problems. No, 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 Charlie. It's the fucking fillings in your teeth. The bounty hunters, they walk into the bowling alley themselves, and there's a relatively funny scene where one of the bounty hunters, like, bowls one of the balls. He, like, almost... The ball comes up the return, and he almost shoots it, and then he looks at it, and he looks down the lane, and he throws the ball down the lane, and he totally destroys the pins. And the guy's are like, oh, I wonder whose team he's on. But the funny thing is, is as he's walking away, you can see that there are two lanes with completely destroyed pins, but he only threw it down one of the lanes. So you've got just one lane, but somehow it, like, Magically transferred to the other one at the same time, or they did it twice, and this was the other shot after they did it. I kind of lean it up to that. Meanwhile, we see Charlie in the bar. He notices the guys coming, and there's a confrontation between the bounty hunters and the bar patrons themselves. Believe <laughs> <we> these guys? <laughs> it ain't Halloween, is it? To know that
1: does to me. won't live long. What does he mean, we won't live long? What can I get for you, fellas? Reverend, what are you doing here? <laughs> That's some outfit you got on. We want the Kreitz. Oh, really? Who are they, some new team? <laughs> the Kreitz. Look, mister, I-, I don't know what you're talking about.
0: You all better be leaving before somebody gets hurt. You don't have a serious attitude problem. Keep your shirt on, asshole. So the voice there, he finally is able to talk. The other bounty hunter... Right, first we get Johnny Steele fucking talking to the guys, and then finally the second one does, because he looks over at Charlie, and when he looks over at Charlie, one, he's the Reverend, and then two, his eyes start glowing once again, and then he turns into Charlie. Now, you get the really cool transformation with a guy that turns into Johnny Steele, and maybe that's because Johnny Steele's really fucking cool, but at the same time... You get the really crappy transformation every time this guy turns into somebody different. Like, it doesn't go through the same sequence of, like, freaking everybody else because the skin melts and the skull comes out and everything forms. His eyes just glow and all of a sudden he's in the other person. That's it. I mean, they use the coolness factor for one scene and that's all you're really gonna get in this film. And so when he turns around and says, keep your shirt on, he is now Charlie and everybody's like, what the fuck is going on? And so they leave the bar and we're kind of just left with that type of end to that scene. Meanwhile, Harvey, he's been woken up and a little, actually a little bit before the scene. And he's been told to go out on the town and he's gone down to the church and to see what everything and what the commotion is there. And while he's there investigating everything that's going on in the church, the dispatcher calls him in because the bowling alley people are now at the police station.
1: He was, Jeff. was it Jeff or wasn't it? Well, he changed. Changed? They were wearing really funny clothes. Like they was from Los Angeles. Okay, everybody, oh, just calm over, down, huh? Over. Yes, uh, over. There's been a disturbance at the Bola Ram Lane. Over. Now, what kind of disturbance? Over. Well, evidently, some guys shot up the bar.
0: You get a description, over?
1: Well, uh, it's kind of strange, Harvey, but Jake says it was Reverend Miller and Charlie and some stranger. Now, hold it, hold it, hold it. Uh, I'm, I'm not reading you clear, so I'll repeat that. Over. Reverend Miller, Charlie McFadden, and some stranger just shot up the bar at the bowl around the lanes. Over.
0: Have you heard from Jeff? Over.
1: I can't raise him, Harv. night I also got a report here about shots fired out Route 22 near the brown place. Over.
0: Harv, do you read? Over. Sal, so, I want you to keep trying to raise Jeff. I'm headed over to the bowling alley, and I'm going to head out towards the brown place. Over and out. So Harvey goes out, and he decides to go and investigate the different places and see what exactly is going on. Meanwhile, at the same time, back at the brown place, they are back inside the house, and they've been kind of chased around, and they managed to get upstairs. There's a couple of things that happen. Like I said, the mom, she gets one of the needles right in the fucking neck. That's right, right in the neck. Uh, and they manage to barricade themselves in one of the rooms. There's a couple of things that really happen. One of the things that I was thinking of this time... Again, they can't climb trees, but they manage to get up in different parts of the fucking house and through different ways, and I'm like, why aren't they breaking fucking windows to get in, and then one breaks one of the windows to get in the fucking house? So, at least they're that fucking smart, but they're still chasing after this family to eat them. When they could have just dispersed and eaten something else or just gotten away or maybe they just like terrorizing this family and that's what I'm led to believe. There is a scene in the hallway when they're trying to get into the room. The dad is dragging the mom because she's basically been passed out by the poison that's in the needles. And the kids find it upon themselves to basically get rid of one of the uh, critters by taking a lamp and throwing it on the critter, like literally setting it on fire. So they set him on fire and he jumps right into the fucking toilet. And then they, like, take the rug and start putting out the fire. And I'm like, I know you you don't want to die in the house, like, by having the fire spread everywhere. But why aren't the critters fucking attacking you when you're putting out the fucking fire? Like, they're literally having to lift this fucking mat and fucking stomp it down so there's no more fucking flames. And at that point... Get the guy from the fucking toilet. Get the guy, the other guy that's in the hallway. Roll after these motherfuckers and fucking destroy them. Or they're like, man, maybe they have... We want to make sure they put out that fire because we don't want to catch on fire ourselves. But you turn into fucking balls. Can't you, like... Do some, like, sick fucking tricks and, like, bounce off a wall and then get them in the neck, too? Or start throwing your fucking needles at them? You've been throwing them at everybody fucking else in this fucking movie, and yet you can't throw them at these two fucking kids right here while they have everything going on? It just doesn't make any fucking sense to me. So, the kids get in the room and everybody's there, and we see them all kind of relaxing the mom is still really groggy they barricaded themselves in with really crappy barricades that any of those critters honestly could get through if they just used a little bit of force and so at this point they figure out they gotta go get help and bradley he's the one that's gonna come to the rescue
1: babe i gotta get to a phone get some help out here i can do it absolutely not dad you can't even walk Damn. Son. Simon and I said okay, how would you do it? Hit the yard, grab my bike, and head for the highway. Dad, somebody's gotta go for help. All right. Good boy. You ride like you never rode before. You get over to the Eminent's house and get on the phone. Get Harv over here. Dad, I'll be fine. Don't worry. You want to take this? Nah, you keep it. it. Just slow me down. Anyway, you might need it.
0: Okay, so he's gonna basically jump out the window, get down there, get to his bike... ...and fucking bolt like a motherfucker, even though these things are relatively fast. But you know what? They're not fast enough to catch up to them when they were just running to the house. So, it's not a bad plan. Except for the fact that when he does get outside, one of the critters is already destroying his bike so he can't get the fuck away. So what does he do? He runs over into the barn where some of the critters were before and hides for a little bit until he thinks he can make his break. He looks outside at one point and sees one of the critters coming by and it's going up to a chicken. I don't know. It starts like clucking and then he looks at it and then all of a sudden he says, it's growing bigger. So I don't know what the fuck is actually happening at this point. Uh And I'd like to believe that the critters themselves are not chicken fuckers. Um, I really hope that's not the case, but it was getting bigger. And I hope he's just talking about the critter and not critter dick. So he manages to get out onto the road. And then as he's running along the way, uh, the cop car that the bounty hunters are driving, uh, shows up and almost runs into him. And he jumps in the car thinking that that's Jeff and the other cops, uh, out on patrol, and he thinks that they can help him.
1: Go! Just go! These things, these critters! Come on, go! Dad's all torn up, and Mom's got like a harpoon thing in her neck, and they're getting bigger! Let's go! Charlie? Where's Jeff? Hey, you're Johnny Steele! Where? Huh? Where are they? At my house. Come on, hit it. Where? Charlie, you know where my house is. Who are you guys? We want the krites. The krites? Critters, krites. You're not from around here, are you? Okay, okay. You help me, I help you.
0: So he decides that he's going to lead him over to the house. Meanwhile, the critters, they have really invaded most of the house and are starting to destroy everything. They're eating the poor goldfish. They're going through the rooms. They're trying to knock down the door. We even see the one connection that for D-Wall is kind of a nod to her. And one of the critters looks at an E.T. doll and says, hey... Who are you? And then proceeds to completely destroy the E.T. doll. It's relatively funny. My cousin would be very upset because you're not supposed to kill E.T. You're supposed to hug and love him and carry him with you wherever you go. So, (laughs) you... You have them, they're just deciding, you know what, we need to get out of this place, we need to get away from the critters. So the dad makes a makeshift flamethrower, the mom is now awake, she's upset that Bradley's not there, but they need to go out and follow him. So she grabs the shotgun, the daughter has a baseball bat, and they decide to make their march. And we actually have one of the other critters get blown up by another shotgun shell, and then the one, um, I believe that's the one from the bathroom, if I'm not mistaken. No, no, no. He gets something later. Then another one comes out. She takes another shot when he, and misses. And then it comes out and they find out that they're out of ammo. So as they get downstairs and they're about to be done for, all of a sudden, who busts through the roof? But the bounty hunters are there to save the day. And they start blowing away the critters. And... This is where it kind of gets exciting, at least for a little bit, but it's still not like super exciting. Like I expected a lot more to kind of happen, like maybe some more people dying, but no, we only had two deaths. We had Jeff and we had Steven. That's it. Those are the only two people that die in this whole movie. Even with the critters, I was expecting maybe one of the bounty hunters to get eaten by the critters or something like that. But no, one of them goes into the bathroom and I think just Johnny Steele, and like blows the one that's in the toilet completely away, completely destroying the toilet itself. And then they're basically chasing down all the different ones and trying to kill them. Bradley decides that he's going to go in and save his cat, uh, which, you know, that cat really hasn't been that loyal to you. Let me say he hasn't really tried to attack any of the critters or anything like that. He's been a little bitch hiding the entire time, but again, that's probably what a cat's going to do. It's not like a good old faithful dog that's just going to run and leave you high and dry the moment that it sticks him with one of the needles. So they're basically going through and eradicating the house. Then you hear some screams from downstairs, and one of the larger critters and the remaining ones have kidnapped the sister. They've knocked her out with one of the needles, and the big one is dragging her away we see that uh, Bradley, he decides to go after her. For some reason, the bounty hunters don't right away. They do go after them. Uh, they steal Harvey's car. See, Harvey shows up and tries to protect some people, but he doesn't believe his eyes of what actually is going on. And the, the, the father locks the mother up in the cop car so that she doesn't try to do anything rash, right? And so when they're basically, Harvey's going to drive away, and the bounty hunters are going to follow, uh, follow Bradley, whose bike is miraculously working, I believe, at this point. Uh, their car doesn't start, so they get in his, and they drive after him. Bradley runs into Charlie, and they both arrive at the ship. Charlie uh, asks Brad, what are they going to do with your sister? And Bradley's like, they're going to kill her. Like, basically, like, they're gonna kill her, idiot. You know what they're going to do. And he's like, oh, oh. So, they both go to the ship, and he tells them, wait behind, I'll call you if I need you. And he goes into the ship, he manages to wake her up, and then, as he's getting ready to light his piece of dynamite, the critters come and start, the big one just starts chasing after them. Uh, they manage to get outside, and in one last desperation, Charlie, he takes his of alcohol he has and a piece of cloth and makes a Molotov cocktail and tosses that motherfucker right inside of the ship. And it manages to start spraying flames, but the ship does take off. We're back at the farm now, and well, the bounty hunters and everybody have gotten together with everybody. I think we're out in the field, far away from the farm, and we see that the ship is taking off. And one last big fuck you to the family. The ship fires a laser right at their house, completely blowing it up and destroying everything around there. And then all of a sudden, the flames get close, finally, to the dynamite inside the ship. And that's where you hear one of the critters, for the first time, utter an English, uh-oh, and the ship itself blows up. And then it turns into morning. We see that the house is destroyed. The mother, she's completely saddened that everything is gone, that everything they've ever had is completely wasted away. And we see that the bounty hunters, they're going to just leave and let the mess be itself. And that's where Bradley approaches them. Hey! I, uh,
1: just wanted, you know, to say thanks. call me wow uh listen you wouldn't happen to have another one of them electronic gizmos like you gave to brad there uh listen maybe you need a good mechanic to work on them guns there uh, i'm real good with
0: my hand so charlie follows the bounty hunters away And we see him kind of walk off into the distance. The bounty hunters themselves, they get in their ship. And as they're flying by, they use the benevolence to rebuild their whole fucking house to the way that it used to be. Everybody is happy. Everything is grand. And then we start going over to the farm as we get the nice, happy music kind of going back. And we focus in on something inside of the barn. And what is it? Well... It looks like the critters are chicken fuckers because there's some critter eggs that are laying there in the barn. And that's the end of Critters right there. It's all set up for a sequel, and it did get another three. I think it may even have a fourth that's out there. So, um, it's kind of a weird ending. I mean, not weird ending necessarily, but it seems like kind of anticlimactic, actually, because it's not very exciting. Like, that whole sequence, it's really just kind of is what it is. Like, they chase around, like, the house, and... They go and they shoot the critters, and then they go over the ship, and they blow up the ship, and Charlie miraculously has the ability to aim when he couldn't aim in the beginning of the fucking movie, and it's just kind of, like, eh. It's like, okay, that's it. It it ends, and even the action sequences are fine, but it's truly not that much of a horror movie. I mean, I'd probably even place this more in, like, the sci-fi. It definitely belongs in the realm of, like, monster horror, but it's, I would say again, a little more of a sci-fi movie than anything else. Like, how, if ever I was ever scared of this, and I really think that it was more the second one that I was scared of, because I remember it, because I remember the big giant ball of critters. And if that's not in the second one, then fuck me. It must be one of the other ones that I've seen before that I'm remembering. But I believe it definitely was the second one that was there. So, it's it's just kind of like, as a nostalgic movie, is it is it a good movie? Nah, nah. It's an okay movie. I, I th- really think that this is kind of a run of the, the middle of the ground. But it got two thumbs up from Siskel and Ebert back in the day. Like, who knew that they really enjoyed this movie? Like, I really wish I, I could have gone back and found actually the review that they had and played it for you guys. But they did give the film two thumbs up, which surprises the hell out of me. And if you guys even know who they were... Um, You know, they were, like, the prominent movie critics. They were the guys that I used to watch all the time. Like, my dad hated their reviews. I absolutely loved watching the two talk. But they kind of hated a lot of the stuff that I really liked. Like, a lot of critics nowadays. You know, they tend to like these really... At least the written critics, the old school critics, like a lot of the really stuff up, like, you know, hoity-toity, you know, oh, super popular, not super popular, but super artsy type of films. Uh, so, with that being said, um, let's go ahead and rate the movie. Like, in general, as a critic here, looking back upon this, uh, the gore factor, uh, it's kind of a, I'm going to give it a 2 out of 5. Um, it's not super gory. It doesn't even really have a whole lot. It's got blood, but not like a whole lot of blood. It's PG-13 blood, PG-13 for the time. Um, you know, Billy Zane does lose a finger. That's about it. That's really You get to see the critters explode. And they get to explode because they're alien beings and it doesn't really matter. We could show that even on PG. But I think it's because of the language. They managed to sneak in one fuck. They got the two shits. Both said by Bradley. Crap factor. I'm going to give this a 3 out of 5. Because I think that the the puppetry of the critters was really good. Like I really like them. Their design is still really good. It still really holds up. And, you know, the acting is not that bad. The only bad acting really comes from the two Bounty Hunters, which I believe needed a lot more personality, uh, especially they were just there to look badass or something like that. But Johnny Steele, whatever. Um, you know, the sets are just kind of okay. Um, the special effects, like I said, they're pretty good for the time, especially for being an 80s horror film. It's not terrible it's not great um and i wish there was a little more violence in the movie to be honest with you i did like i said i didn't realize it was pg-13 until i started looking it up and then i saw that's exactly what it was fun factor it's a three out of five i like the interaction the critters got and i think the critters got even more personality as the films went on so the more the critters were out there the more that they got in your face and the quality also started to dip Especially after the second movie, uh, in my personal opinion. Um, But it's still, like, entertaining. Like, the middle part of this movie, it's really weird. I think the beginning part is just kind of, uh. Like, the beginning of of the beginning of beginning is interesting. And then it just kind of, all this family shit, I don't need to know. I don't need to know why the daughter's trying to sleep with somebody. Introduce him to dad, or whatever the fuck that is. Get that shit out of here. And then the ending, like I said, it's actually kind of boring, like the whole bounty hunters when they finally show up, but the family trying to survive in the house when the critters are attacking is relatively interesting with some stupid like little things put in. But as far as films go, it's a three out of five. I think it's still entertaining. If you've never seen it before and you want to look on something, uh, especially like an old horror monster movie, it's a good movie to go see. So overall, I'm going to give this three out of five dead Zanes. Um, I think, like I said, it's a mediocre movie. It's not my favorite. I don't hate it. I just think that maybe I might have had more fun. And I think I am totally mixing up parts of it with the second one, which if that one has more lasting on me, it might be the better of the two films. So, uh, and it's something maybe later on, I'll take a look at and see if that's exactly the way that I remember it. Um, but I do want to let you know that, uh, when this comes out, and this comes out usually a couple of days before they release theirs, uh, Beyond the Void Horror Podcast is actually going through the Critters movies. I believe they're doing one and two on the episode that's going to be released this, about the same time as this one. They release on Mondays. I release on Saturdays. So I beat them by two days. Ha 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 ha, Alex. I got gotcha you this time. Uh, but in general, I think you can get a good, nice review of both of the films. I think they're going through the first two, like you said, in the first episode. And it's going to be very interesting to see what they think about them and, um, whether or not they remember them as they first saw them or how long it's been since they've seen the films. It's entertaining. I, I don't think that, uh, you know, I don't think they're going to hate it. It's not going to be like the howling movies for them. The last ones they did. um, Or, uh, the (laughs) weird kind of Indian horror movies that they did a little while ago. Um, so it's, it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm look forward. You guys should go out and check it out and make sure you listen to that podcast, uh, as well. If you listen to, you know, theirs first or, and then mine or mine then theirs doesn't matter, but I think you guys will enjoy it very much. Uh, I love those guys over there. Uh, they always do such a great job. Alex and Brittany. Um, and, uh, Yeah, it's just so weird that we both happen to do Critters at the same time. With that being said, I couldn't figure out what movie to do next. See, we're getting in and we're getting very close to episode 100. So I do have a theme kind of leading up to episode 100, but it doesn't start with the next episode. It's going to start with the episode after that. So I had to pick another movie and I thought, you know what, we're doing kind of monsters. Let's stay with monsters and stuff like that. And I had a set of movies that I wanted to do, and I just could not figure out which one to do, so I decided to let Paranormal Pat go ahead and pick a number for me, and he picked number two. And number two happens to (laughs) coincide with Ghoulies 2, so we're going back to the Ghoulies, but this time we're going to a carnival. The carnival's back in town with all your old favorites, the Ferris Wheel. Roundup, the octopus, beautiful girls, A spook house,
1: bumper cars, and a special <laughs> added attraction. It's got ghoulies too. <laughs>
0: they walk. They talk. <laughs> they crawl. They <laughs>
1: Reptiles. This place is better than Epcot Center. Ghoulies too. Really scary, Mister. Ah! Well, Carnival, hard before they kill again. Thousand dollars for any man who brings me one alive.
0: ...when you thought it was safe to go back into the bathroom. Ghoulies 2. And they'll get you in the end
1: again. Ghoulies
0: 2. So, yeah, we're going to talk Ghoulies 2 next time. And uh, what's funny about it is you hear it in the trailer there. They talk about, be afraid to go into the bathroom again. And that's based on the poster for the original Ghoulies... Which had nothing to do with that. That never fucking happened in the first movie. And it actually happens in this. Now, I've seen the first Ghoulies a bunch. But I've never actually seen Ghoulies 2. So I thought, hey, it's interesting. And what I did was I went on Amazon Prime and I started looking up... Oh, hey, what monster movies from the 80s do they have? Let's stay in the 80s. Let's stay with a monster movie. And then, hey... Even though they're technically ghouls, I guess uh ghoulies 2 is available on amazon if you're a prime customer so make sure to watch it before the next podcast or after however you do it and as always you can follow the podcast it's available on twitter t underscore t underscore podcast uh you can check us out on facebook facebook.com slash terrible terrible podcast movie ideas you can either dm me on either one of those platforms well except for twitter i think i have to follow you back Uh, and I tend to follow everybody back unless it's some type of bot that I believe or whatever. Uh, and, uh, so you can also DM me on Facebook if you have a movie idea for something, uh, after the next three episodes. Cause like I said, this is episode 96, uh, and then, oh, sorry, 97 and then 98, 99 and then episode 100. So for after episode 100, um, We'll um, be taking customer, or customer, <laughs> you kind of honor my customers, but I'll be taking uh, listener suggestions uh, for other films uh, as well. So again, you can DM me there, you can email me, terribleterrorpodcast at com. I'm a lot more responsive on Facebook and Twitter than I am on email, and I apologize for that. Uh, and then make sure you check out the Terrible Terror YouTube channel that has reaction videos i just did a reaction video for the new pet cemetery trailer the second one that was released because i had some issues with it um and um if you guys think the same you know give it a a like and comment subscribe and stuff like that there's also all of the kaiju fest reviews as well as the car reviews that we do for uh you know we did for glass and halloween and some of them are just me and some of them also include pat uh as well as ben uh, the Angry Dad and the Paranormal Pativity podcast. And so, again, make sure you check out Beyond the Void Horror Podcast because they're doing critters this week. But check them out in general. They've got some really great episodes. All the episodes they did on the Howling, um, <laughs> seeing uh, how Alex degrades over the movies is hilarious. So, um, and they're very interesting. I really enjoyed that whole series they did on them, and I'm hoping they go through all of Critters as well, because I'd like to see what happens when it gets to the third and fourth in the entries. Uh With that being said, um I'm being told that we have a special guest for the, what, what, what's all that being set up over there? What, what the hell's going on? Uh He said he was really big in the 80s. Oh no, you didn't get no, 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 no. I, I, I don't want the special guest. What? What am I gonna do with this? He's they're just fucking playing. What the hell is going on? I don't want no fucking Johnny in the
1: sky getting ready. You think they're insane? In the street night's coming, and they'll never be the same. Look out for the darkness. Hold on to your soul. It's a call. Of-